Hi, hello, Passive Pixels, Media Catch-Up Podcast. Look at that, another episode. Is this a special one? No, but we're just going to dive right into it. 13 Sentinels. I spent basically the last two weeks playing this, and I decided to bring in somewhat of an expert and then just a Canadian. I don't think Canadians can be experts at anything. They did make my bike, though. <laughs> my bike is pretty solid. All right. This is the first time I saw the Canadian maple leaf on the bike. And damn it, it's a good bike. On one hand, over here, we have King of the Weeps himself, Straw Hat Ninja. He even started up his own podcast to speak directly to the Weebs. I promise not to nuke him yet, but that's only because he's such a good boy that I don't feel like I want to hurt him too badly. Straw Hat, is there anything you want to say? No, just thank you for having me on the podcast, and thank you for not nuking me yet. But it is early, so I guess we'll see how Weebs of the Corn goes before I end up being nuked by you. But we'll try and talk about Nier a lot so that we can avoid that. You know how to speak my language. Thank you for speaking of Nier. Thank you for spreading the good word. Weebs of the Corn, let's just get this out of the way. That is going to be his podcast. Do you like anime and you know that I'll never talk about it? Good. Thank you. First off, thank you for knowing who I am. Second off, go listen to him talk about anime because he knows his shit. And even when I was listening to it, I was reminded of how I was accidentally a weeb in middle school. So I was cringing the entire time, but it lets me know that he knows what he's talking. So weebs of the corn. Weebs of the corn. I'm going to say it one more time just because it helps. Weebs of the corn. On my other hand, we've got a... Canadian. I'm not really too sure if there's anything remarkable about him. He likes his stuff, you know? He knows how to talk, and he likes the leftovers. So even though he's Canadian and probably on the nuke list, I still think we should give Canada a chance. Edaholic, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Ed? Ooh, well, you know, I, I had Zaxby's today. That is some salty-ass chicken. Oh, is that, that is... the curly fries you sent me? Yes. Uh... Yeah, those look good. The curly fries look good, but you said the chicken was salty, so... The fries, pretty good. I'm never going to go to a place just for fries unless it's McDonald's. But Zaxby, not cutting it. We're, we're going to be a strictly Canes family in this household. I've heard good things about Canes, but unfortunately we don't have them out in Mooseland, so. We don't have them in Western PA either. It must be a Southern thing. I can tell you right now, the toast and the sauce are hard carrying the team. The chicken... Pretty bland. Nothing too special. Addy, I know you're not one for sauces, so it might be a miss for you, but their toast. Their toast does not need sauce. Shit slaps. Shit is good. Is that the Texas toast that I've heard so much about? Oh, okay. All right. A little bit of preamble here. How does one describe Texas toast? We got into this and we really couldn't come to a consensus. All I know is that Texas toast do be good. That's as much <laughs> as I can say. <laughs> is it a Texas thing? I don't know. Every time I go into a, a grocery store and there's Texas toast, it's from a company that's called New York something. And for a company called New York to nail what Texas toast tastes like, I feel like that's an act of war. But I don't think I'm going to attack New York after everything that they've been through, you know? All right. Okay. <laughs> Wait, did that did that just click? <laughs> No, I just wanted the awkward silence to sit there. Yeah, right. <laughs> fine. Okay, fine. I guess we can't let a 9-11 joke slip. Fine. Okay. We've just been canceled, Ed, so let's wrap this up. <laughs> look, look, look. It's only been a matter of time. 
I made it this far. That's impressive. I've already been canceled. Then that means that the near is the season finale. That's pretty good to me, if you ask me. So let's go down the list just because this is still a main episode, but I feel like my standards are starting to slip, so it's not like I care anymore. I will go through my list. I have 13 Sentinels as a game I played, Days Gone that I played out of spite, and then I watched Dr. No, one of the early Bond films. Now, I told Daddy ahead of time, Straw Hat, we pulled in at the last moment because 13 Sentinels is right up his alley and we need his knowledge. Addy, I toss it over to you. What is your list? Yeah, I've got quite a few things on my list. Obviously, I played 13 Sentinels as well with you. I also played some Mortal Kombat. In terms of games, I'll stick on games for now. I did. We did some Overwatch, which Straw Hat joined me in. A lot of fun. Also did Sunset Overdrive. And currently, I'm playing Persona 4 Golden. Uh, so that's the games. And then in terms of movies, we looked at Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman 1984, the Justice League Zack Snyder edition, and I've been watching Mr. Robot as well. Straw Hat, now, I know I didn't prep you for this. Is there anything that you remember from the last two weeks that you feel would be notable if you did stick around that you wanted to talk about? Uh, let me look over my list because actually my last podcast, that's kind of what we just went over is... I could talk about a few of the games, I guess, like Bravely Default 2, because I finished that one, and I don't really that's, have much else. That's interesting, because I'm I'm going to look at my list. For basically this entire show, I don't think I have one single thing from this year. Jesus, I really don't. Oh my god, yeah, I am stuck in the past. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the entire reason that at least the three of us are here. 13 Sentinels. Uh, is this a spoiler chat? Yeah. Do I feel like most of the people who are listening to this are going to not play it? Even though we're about to probably all three of us give it a glowing recommendation, I still imagine that none of you are going to play it because I'm just setting myself up for disappointment at every chance I get. So... Am I wrong in saying that we're all positive on this game? Very positive I am. I don't know if I... I know Addy and I both like to do the scores, so I think I would have gave this a 9. And it was my second favorite game last year, but I wasn't allowed to include Royal on my list, so that's kind of the caveat for that. But it was my number two game last year. Persona 5 Royal, if people are wondering. Persona 5 Royal. I think you just got banned from Passive Pixels for giving a score. But beyond that, I actually really like the game too. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did, or maybe even Ed, but I thought it was a fantastic game. It was really good and really unique too, which you don't see a lot of those types of games in the game industry anymore, so I really enjoyed it. Touching back on the scores thing, I just intentionally told myself to stop paying attention. Once I heard that score popped up, I told myself, <laughs> just, just, just go back to your happy place. You hear the waves crashing. For some reason, someone's handing you a modelo. Just don't question it. Right. Did you guys play any other Vanillaware games before this one? If you know any of I them? have not. No. It's funny, actually. Before I played 13 Sentinels, I did a little bit of research into Vanillaware. And I was like, why the why, why the fuck am I getting recommended this game? I'm not going to like it. Because <laughs> everything else I saw from them, it just did not interest me. This, though, I think seems a lot different from the other stuff they do. Oh, definitely. Because I played Dragon's Crown before, which is the famous, I think, I don't know if Kotaku did a yes, piece, but... I remember it. Um, Yeah, <laughs> the, it was at more hack and slash, but I think this is their best game by far. Just to add clarification, because I know that most people don't know about it, Kotaku, 
horrific website that just look kotaku is such a bad website that halo infinite was i'm putting up quotation marks was <laughs> delayed to 2022 and it was just a fake twitter that made a fake image that looked really official and the person who made that story didn't even click it to read it they just went oh halo oh it's a paper that people usually post when something's getting delayed halo getting delayed to 2022 like and then they realized oh wait it was a joke and then i don't even think they pulled the story i think they just wrote hi i'm an idiot please keep clicking to give me ad dollars just yeah kotaku's a mess and they've been downsliding for years however one of the first shots of their slide was whenever they started talking about dragon's crown because dragon's crown and it just seems like vanillaware in general are just filled with horny people that love drawing big boobs <laughs> on women now i am not going to judge Hoardiness, you know, I'm not here to judge what gets you off. You want to get off to to big titty to animate women, go for it. I'm going to judge you, sure, but I'm not going to tell you to stop unless I care about you. Then, you know, that's a different conversation. But let people make what they want to make. If they want to add quadruple H cups to this woman and maybe even <laughs> use her boobs as a weapon fine go ahead <laughs> i don't care if if it does extra damage i will be using boobs to destroy every single enemy on the field every single time <sighs> okay now i'm kind of sad that this is the first instance that kotaku ever came here because i tried to not be negative here unless specifically what i've watched or played is negative so uh to, to segue from that kotaku sucks in general they're very lazy Kotaku is the worst parts of journalism. It's awful. Yeah, I had to bring the negativity, I guess. I didn't mean to totally derail this, but I guess I had to bring it. Straw hat. Every <laughs> single podcast is a slow derailment. Okay. Going back into 13 Sentinels, even though I said high level already how we feel. Uh, oh, wait, no. You guys already mentioned it. So I'll go into mine. I very much enjoyed it i am starting to realize that there is a niche of games that i find myself in where if for some reason i have to work to understand the story i'm going to enjoy it and i don't understand why this is such a pattern with me now because if we look at my list near automata i started loving once i started digging deeper into it uh Let's see. Shadow of the Colossus, I enjoyed more once I started reading about the ridiculous amount of philosophy that's behind it. Metal Gear Solid, if you don't have a compendium open next to you, there's no chance that you're understanding anything. <laughs> and for some reason, 13 Sentinels is also that. Where by the time that I finished this game, I still really didn't understand what was going on, and I still have questions. And the main reason why we're doing this is, yes, to spoiler talk, but also to see if we all three can figure out what the hell even happened. Right. So, and I think, like, the way they did the story is, especially since eventually you get 13 characters that you go through, and it should be, in theory, a mess by how mm -hmm. they do it, because you, you can jump around really as much as you want. They will lock you out at certain points, but you can pretty much freely jump around as you choose. And despite doing that, and I pretty much played every character evenly as they unlocked, mm -hmm. I really didn't get too confused, shockingly. Yeah, they do. It's a game that could really fall 
splat if they didn't do a good job at pacing the story like how you unlock it and stuff like that and like straw hat said you know there are certain lock points which keep you together and don't let you get too far ahead of where you should be but other than that like it's actually pretty fantastic how they managed to let you be completely open with where you want to go and it holds together remarkably well because i want to jump in on that talking about the design of this game I'm impressed at how they even wrote this story because I already have trouble writing A to B. The fact that these people went from A to Z to M to N to Q and then W, I don't understand how you can write in that way unless maybe they wrote the entire outline and then decided to disperse it, which at that point, I don't even know how the hell you disperse it without making it seem like some characters get less attention than the others. Right, and they did have a long time to write the story because I think Dragon's Crown came out in like 2013, somewhere around that time. And this game launched, I think it launched in Japan in 2018, but they took quite a while between games to come up with it, So, and it showed. Wait, hold on. Was Dragon's Crown really their last game? Uh, I think it was before that. Did Dragon's I didn't Crown make double that? check, but did Dragon's Crown make that much money that they just coasted for that long? They're a very small studio too. Oh my god, yeah, you were absolutely right. They have that, that's a long gap in between. I didn't realize Dragon's Crown was the last game either. And that's actually really crazy. Originally scheduled for a twenty eighteen release for both PS4 and Vita, the game was delayed to twenty nineteen with the Vita version being canceled god stop handing elsa the vita it doesn't deserve it <laughs> you know what's funny i actually think i remember hearing that 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 game did get canceled for the vita i think there was like a minor little controversy about that if i remember correctly it hurts that's a shame because i wanted was it is it odin there was a game they remade for vita one of their games i can't remember which one it was but it looked really good i can't remember at this point it hurts because I remember remote playing this for a second and I was like, man, this fits perfectly. Let's see. Muramasa the Demon Blade is the one that's on Vita that looks like it got ported after since it was originally on Wii. The only other Vita release that they have is Dragon's Crown. All right, yeah, it must have been that one then. Going back to what Straw Hat said for a second ago, though, I don't mean this in any offensive sort of way, but the fact that there's a story this rich and complex in a weeb game just actually took me off shock. Like, it took me by surprise. And that's not meant to be insulting. I played many Weeb games with good stories, but nothing really this complex before and that had this much depth to it. It was really good. If you guys decide to really delve into the visual novels, because that's pretty much what I would categorize this game as, is a visual novel for the most part, because actually I'm reading one right now, Umineko, and that game is really complex too and also very, very long. So some of the visual novels they write really like to twist you around with the story. No joke, I feel like this game, or this type of game where it's crazy winding like this, I feel like I could use this once every half a decade. If I had a straight streamline of these games, I'd probably be bashing my head into a wall because I'd be using so much brain process for these games that the rest of my life would fall apart now is that a little dramatic yeah but i mean i spent i'm so used to getting the platinum in a game and then deleting it immediately after but <laughs> 13 sentinels stayed installed for an extra two to three days because i just kept reading things trying to figure out what the hell is going on i was gonna do the exact same thing but i uninstalled it because i forgot to so <laughs> funny <laughs> 
I'm going to just say it now because I realize that we've gotten a little bit of time into this podcast and we haven't even spoiled shit. So you know what? Let's just start weeding people out. Guys, it's not time travel. They're actually teleporting between realms, okay? The sectors, they're not in different time periods. They're in different locations. They're not time traveling. Cool. All right. We, we got a spoiler out there for you. Fuck off. I'm sorry. Whatever. We need to get it out. <laughs> They try so hard to make you think that it's time travel, too. And it's pretty much like a couple hours in. You're like, oh, that's easy. They, It's time travel, obviously. They try to front load it so much. And then as you keep playing, it's like, oh, wait, it isn't time travel. Ooh. Well, and it's funny because, again, you can weed out some gaming journalists who don't do their job. Because when I was doing a little bit of research here, there's so many reviews and journalists that are saying, oh, this is the best time travel game ever. I'm like, well, did you finish the fucking game? It's not time travel. Well, that was going to be a little triggered. <laughs> I I would be willing to defend it just because it does seem like that's part of the story. And you kind of want to lean a little bit into the perception I hate to do this to invoke the name of what shall not be named, but imagine if you didn't tell, imagine if you told people that Abby had a section. I'm oh, not going to say no. the name. Oh, oh, no. No. We're, we're opening Pandora's no, no, box no, no, right no, no, now. No, 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 no. Just, uh, okay, fine, fine. You know what? How about this? Let's go into my better example if we're not going to touch that one. Imagine if you told people, hey, yeah, you're only going to play a snake for three hours. It's like, whoa, hold on. Uh, I'm just saying there are certain things in the perception that if you were to say is different would probably have you not be caught off guard as well as the game should. It's actually a good point. If you tell people it's a it's not a time travel game, you're like, wait a minute. Now, as soon as you see them jumping between time periods, you're like, ah, OK, it's not time travel. It's something else then. So I'm ready to throw journalists down a fucking pit at a moment's notice. I mean, I still totally believe that a whole bunch of people who reviewed Automata got to ending A and were like, yeah, write up the story, put it out. So <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to push them down at any moment. But this time, I, I want to get them on things they deserve to get hit. Yeah, this was a really hard game to try to convince people to play, too, because it's like all the good points or story for the most part and you don't want to spoil anything so it's like yeah just trust me just play the game without trying to spoil anything and it's hard so that's probably another reason they kind of had to throw whatever they could in there to try and convince people to play it yeah well and not to jump ahead too far but when you were trying to convince me to play it specifically you kept having to mention yeah the combat's not great which i know we all have different yeah. opinions on i really did not like the combat in that game but the story is so good that it overcame that for me Screw it. Let's jump into that direction. Addy, what was your combat like? It's just not my style of combat. I can understand, like, I'm not the type of person to play podcasts while I'm playing games. And I think if I was, that would be better. Like, I could just throw on a podcast and play this game. I guess if you put on Passive Pixels, that's fine. But any other podcast, no. Please, but... don't, please <laughs> I swear to God, if any of you guys are playing games while listening to my podcast, listen to better podcasts. <laughs> True. But no. Cool. Uh, we're self-deprecating here, I guess. Straw Hat, um... you don't understand, okay? No, 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 look, look. I don't know if I've said this. Maybe I have in the first episode. But I created this podcast just to make sure that I had a list of stuff that I played throughout the year. Not only that, I did all of this just so I can get good at podcasting. So if for some reason I ever got called upon for a near spoiler cast, I wouldn't be going in cold. Okay? Raining. All of this is a meme, basically. 
I don't take this seriously, and I feel really bad whenever people do, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't think I do. I care enough to make sure it doesn't suck, but maybe not more than that. <laughs> so hey, that that's all that counts. Just just make sure it doesn't suck too bad. <laughs> so yeah, no, no. I will, I will happily beat down this product every single time that someone compliments me. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. My dad told me it was good, and I was like, ah, oh, thank God you only heard me talking about grease and not talking about the time that a lesbian threw down a dildo and it was soaking wet by the time it hit the floor. So thank you to miss that one. <sighs> That's another story for another time. Okay, back to Thirteen Sentinels. So <laughs> combat. Was there anything else that you wanted to say, Eddie? No, just I. It wasn't for me. I understand why people might be able to grind through it and get enjoyment out of it. But every time I was there, I was just like, okay, let's let's do my homework so I can get to the good stuff, which was basically the story. Straw Hat, how was the combat for you? So when I first started the combat, you know, you run through those tutorial sections where you have to do certain stuff, and I really wasn't liking it. I don't think the tutorials actually do too great a job. Like they do show you what to do, but it's so scripted for the most part you really don't get to experiment too much but once everything opened up i really started to enjoy it the only thing is the combat is pretty broken especially if you get to know i believe it's the second generation mechs mm. that get the turrets that you can just wreck everything with those turrets for the most part for me now my opinion on the combat i actually liked it way more than i should have more of just because I enjoyed seeing the numbers hit up. I enjoyed the music. I There is something about it that even though it's just so completely detached from everything else, I still enjoyed it. I don't even think it's good. I think it just hits the right things to make you think you're actually doing something. When at the end of the day, I was playing on easy. I was doing nothing. I didn't get any damage on my character's at all i'm pretty sure if you counted up all the damage i took for every single character throughout the entire game it wouldn't even kill one of my people that's how little a risk was involved in this game but i still really enjoyed it i enjoyed everything about it that said hey you're doing stuff and my only complaint about the combat is that I was annoyed that it felt like it was going to slowly give you out story also through the gameplay, but all that ended up happening is that it seemed like every time a character talked, it was gameplay related, and there was maybe one or two crumbs of story in the gameplay segments that I was like, ah, you could have you could have baked this in a little. If you were smart enough to kind of level gate the characters, you could have probably level gated the combat too and actually had stories in there. Yeah, I think they mainly wanted to use the conversations during battle for the typical anime character banter between all the characters. Like, you just get the one-liners and the interaction. Because in the actual story itself, you don't get so many characters at once interacting with each other. Because I know a lot of people who like that part did talk about just they just enjoyed the characters interacting with each other. Because, like you said, they really don't say anything too meaningful at the time until near the end yeah i actually agree that funny enough that was my favorite part was right when you finish the combat or right before when you had the little interactions with each other i do wish there was a little bit more of story crumbs in there as well but i actually looked forward to those because it was cool to see them all actually interact with each other inside their mech while we were trying to figure out what was going on you're not wrong i didn't actually think about the interactions those were good but i still kind of wish that throughout the interactions 
we're learning about the characters in the actual story, so I feel like I got a feel of who they are. I don't have to imagine, you know, how they interact with each other because we still get that. But I'm still kind of sad that their interactions didn't kind of move the plot along either. The only sections I can think of was probably Okino popping up and then whenever the other Tomiki Saragi shows up and starts singing. Those are probably the only things I can think of that happen story-wise through the gameplay. Well, I guess we're, I, I'm willing to count the ending too, where it's just a wave after wave, because you know what, that's that story in gameplay, I'll allow that, but everything else kind of seemed like just the empty banter. Good banter, but ultimately empty. Alright, so that's the combat at least. When it comes to the story itself, I brought over the PS4, I have the event archive open, the first entry here is a long distance transmission between Keitaro and Natsuno. Apparently this happened in 2187, which since we're already in spoilers, the game technically starts in 2187 and everything that you play throughout the game is almost 20 million years after that. Yeah, I had to read up on that one to find that. I do want to ask both of you. Let's go ahead to Straw Hat first. Did you find it hard to follow the story, or was there a certain point where you just kind of got into the rhythm and started clicking in? I think mostly what happened to me was that I thought I knew what was going along in the story, and then they would pull one over on me. Like I know one of the big things I thought I was so big-brained about was Fuyusaka being Morimura. Like I thought they were the same person, which it turns out she's trying to pretty much integrate her consciousness into Fuyasaka, but they aren't the same one, like, because I was going for the whole time travel angle, and I thought, oh, I figured this out before they even said anything. Well, I was dead wrong. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't. Well, we're going... Kind of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that, but I will pose the same question to Addy. How was your path through the game? Was it mostly questions? What what was your rhythm as you went through it? Basically what Straw Hat said. There was just times where I was like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. And then they'd introduce something else and be like, well, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> um, but by the time I got to the end of the game, obviously I didn't read through all the event archives. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you're going to talk about in a bit that I'm going to have no idea. But the actual core of the story, like the really important beats, what happens at the end, I think they do a really good job of kind of summing that all up and giving you kind of a clear picture of what happened and why it happened. Rotating back to Iori Fuyusaka and Chihiro Morimura, they are the same person. It's like Tetsuya Ida and Shu Amaguchi. They are the same person, just from different loops. Just imagine if you were born again and then tossed into a different family. That's Iori to Chihiro. So Iori got tossed into, you know, Fuyusaka family, and then Chihiro is a person from a previous loop, and she was basically trying to get her memories into a new body, so then Iori herself would then become just another Chihiro. Right, because she actually had feelings for Jiro Izumi, and then the current Fuyusaka has feelings for Sekigahara, of course, so that seemed like they were kind of battling with that throughout the game, too. 
it wasn't until I read the event archive that apparently every single Iori that we run into is not the same one and neither is Juro. Let me go ahead and scroll down further on this PS4. There is the earliest memory that happens in the sectors is from two loops ago. So from two loops before the actual game that we play from that story moving on. There is a dream that Iori has where she is in the UFO and it's her and Juro down there and Okino. So apparently we have a Chihiro and a Juro that have gone through two full loops of the resets. Now, I did not pick up on that at all. I was under the impression that those memories were things they had already done. Not that it was completely different people right yeah and it's been a while because i played it back when it first released but i do remember now that you were saying that addy did you know that <laughs> no i didn't know that specifically but from what my understanding interpretation was is every loop is basically a different version of themselves correct we have the originals who lived in 2188 those were the originals they sent dna to these different sectors and I assume from there they have clones that are based off of them that keep getting made, they keep fighting these kaiju, they die, and then it reboots because of universal control. Universal control goes, wait a minute, that's not how you play the game, reboots it, and then brings everyone back. When they bring everyone back, it's not the same version of themselves, correct? Or is it? It's possible that they can. There are five sectors... And each sector is a different time period. And then there's Sector Zero. And Sector Zero is basically base, where if you're touching base, you don't get reset. So that's how Juro is in E426. Because you have to specify which fucking Juro you're talking about. Juro <laughs> <Yeah>. 426 <laughs> is able to jump through loops because at some point he goes through Sector Zero. He's completely safe. And then at some point, he jumps back into one of the sectors. That's pretty much what Ida's whole point was, is he basically wanted to keep doing the loops. And then that's when he came into conflict with Morimura, because eventually they kind of figured out, hey, this isn't going to work forever. And then that's where, like, the major conflict with Ida, because Ida was pretty much, I would say, the villain that was supposed to be portrayed. But was he really a villain? I don't know. Uh, I would consider him a villain just because he's... He's that stereotypical character that's like, oh, I misunderstood. I fell in love with a woman, and I'm going to now destroy everyone around me. But I cared about someone. Ah, look, man, you had a lot of collateral damage if you had succeeded. I don't. I wouldn't count you as a misunderstood villain. You were a villain, even if you yeah, didn't he, know what you were doing. Yeah, he just needed the mustache to twirl as well. I thought he was. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was pretty clear. One thing that, since I'm scrolling through as well, I'm pretty sure this microphone is good, so I'm pretty sure the clicking is coming through. Whether if you guys can hear it, no, but I know for sure in the recording it will. Did you guys know that Shinonome was the one that screwed up everything? I didn't remember that, actually. I can't remember if I did at the time, but I do remember you now that you say that, because that, she's the one who plays it from her future self telling herself that, right? Isn't that when she admits that? Before I go there, Addie, did you remember that? No, I had no idea. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and just read it off because I feel like I could explain it, but I'll screw it up. So, Ryoko Shino Shinonome, 2188. In footage from 2188, Ryoko Shinonome, Shinonome 
is brokenhearted after realizing that Tetsuya Ida has been using her from the very beginning. She loses all hope from humanity and alters Project Art so that the heavy machinery that is supposed to terraform will purge humans from all sectors. Her goal was to trigger a reset every time the project reaches its final process, causing all sectors to fall into a never-ending loop. So basically, she was, I assume, cheated. Well, okay. Well, I... No, that's the wrong term, but I'm going to say it anyways. Chidonomi was cheated on and decided, fuck men, fuck humanity, kill it all. Pretty much. Because she loved Ida that much. I, I think that's a fair reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, underestimate the waifus. They'll, they'll nuke you. They'll, they'll literally fucking nuke everything. I mean, if it wasn't for her, <laughs> then everything would have gone according to plan. But, oh my god, that's... And you know, it's funny with Shinome, she's probably one of my least favorite characters. I really like all of them for the most part, but she's one of my least favorite. And then in Japan, she is the most popular character. I remember character you saying that, favorite. and I could not believe that, because she's actually probably near the bottom of mine, too. Who? I'm looking at the art book right now. I told myself I was going to look at this just so I can tell which characters I don't like. I would probably say that either Tomi or Iori were bottom of the barrel for me. But but Shinonome would probably be just, like, right above them. Oh, that's painful, because Tomi's, like, one of my Tomy favorites. Tomi is middle of the pack for me. I'm going to butcher these names, by the way. I apologize. Hell but yeah. uh, Minami? 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 No, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you. She's the no. She's the best. Oh, okay. And I was gonna, and I was no, and I was gonna say if she yeah, was on your negative great. list, I was about to just peace out of this podcast right now. I would peace out if someone said Natsuno was the worst. Okay, Natsuno is a joy, and she's my daughter, and I will protect her. Damn it, she's my second favorite character. I really liked her a lot. Her and B- BJ, yeah, them together were fantastic. Her and BJ were I great. It's funny. I played most of this game with my wife knocked out beside me because I do not choose good times for her to pay attention to. And the moment that Natsuno got shot and BJ goes, Natsuno! Like, she woke up and was like, oh no, what's going on with BJ? Oh, oh by the way, did you guys play in English or Japanese? I went English. I was debating Japanese, but I was glad I did English because I think the voice cast did really good okay. despite recording all from home, too. I went English. I just most of the time do. The only time I think I can remember actually going Japanese was Ghost of Tsushima, but that's because the game felt mm. so wrong in English. I know that lip syncing isn't set for Japanese, but for some reason, hearing it in English felt wrong. I felt like I should be watching, you know, like an old Japanese samurai film that just got unearthed, you know, and for some reason they printed out even on DVD instead of Blu-ray because it's that obscure. I felt like it was right to play that in Japanese. This one, I mean, I don't mind playing it in English. I I don't feel like anything's really lost. Yeah, I wish I had like a, a more yeah. consistent thing, but for me it's like I put a game in and I'm like, okay, does this feel really Japanese to me? I'm playing it in Japanese. I really don't have anything more than that. Ghost of Tsushima, I played in English. So, but I played this entirely in Japanese, so I don't know. I jump around like crazy. I played ghosts in Japanese. I just, it's pretty much just whatever my mood is. Even Danganronpa, I played entirely in Japanese because I started watching the anime first. But then I've also played it in English as well, so it just depends on my mood and what I feel like doing at the time. I didn't even know there were options for Danganronpa. I did Danganronpa in uh, English. Straw Hat, considering that you are King Weeb, you're probably the only weeb that will ever sneak on here. (laughs) uh, What is 
what is your okay so i'm not going to ask the age-old question subs versus dubs i'm not going to ask that i'm going to ask early on before you were in one camp firmly one over the other was there something that you used to decide your preference or i think it just became sort of natural because what would happen is i did of course start watching anime and english on tv and stuff but what would happen is i would go online and a lot of the episodes weren't out yet or weren't dubbed yet so then i would start watching in japanese and then like for anime like one piece and stuff that are were way further ahead I just got used to watching in Japanese, and then since then, it's I still watch some of them in English. Like I said, it just depends on my mood. Like Dragon Ball, of course I would, but most of the time I do watch sub, just because that's what I'm used to, and they're always the first ones out, too. Do you think it's more of a question of, will I have to wait over anything else? Probably somewhat. It's hard for me now to watch newer stuff in dub, though, just because I'm so used to just going on Crunchyroll and watching it. But I'm not like super, you have to watch sub no matter what or you're dead to me. But I know a few people like that. <laughs> but whatever it takes you to watch it, go ahead, go for it. Okay, that is probably as much as anime as I'm ever going to say, I'm proud of you, Addy. <laughs> I'm proud of you. No, 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 Addy, you don't understand, okay? My positivity towards Straw Hat overrides a lot, okay? <laughs> No matter how much I hate anime down to my very core, I like Straw Hat just an inch more. <laughs> I won't be surprised if some of that's cut out, though, for the actual episode. No, Too much no, anime? No, no, no. I, no. I will. <laughs> I love to joke around that I'm going to cut out opinions. I'll never do it. But even if I do, there's no way you'll ever know. Okay. Yeah. I pulled up Tetsuya Ida in the compendium i don't even know what to call it but let me see i want to read through this because i swear there was something in here that was important back when tetsuya Ida was a student i assume in 2025 he supported tomiki suragi uh from her live streams oh god that technically means that tetsuya Ida was a simp if he was watching her live <laughs> definitely, oh, he was definitely probably a, a tier three at least oh, okay from here, the next thing he sa it says, he was in love with the deceased Kisaragi. No, wait, hold on. Okay. Now, that's the problem every single time that I start reading stuff about these characters. In my mind, to try to get a timeline going is always such a mess. So, I'm going to start pivoting to that. I want to figure out what exactly happened in the game. How is it that most of these characters get to different places all of this chihiro in general what the hell is going on with her there are so many questions that i have that i don't even know where to begin so i want to lead it over to you guys first are there any questions that you guys still have about how these characters work how i rationalized it is because you like you were saying a lot of these characters seem like they were from different timelines like in one one of the flashbacks, you kind of see Natsuhi, that Yuki is her mother, it seems like, which kind of threw everybody off, or at least it threw me off. Mm -hmm. But kind of how I rationalized it is because, I mean, I'm kind of going to spoil the ending here, but because these last few people were, or they were the last hopes of humanity, pretty much, this whole thing was pretty much like a simulation that they were just kind of put in to grow as people and kind of get to adapt and prepare for when they are going to 
get sent to this new planet to live and make human life continue to go on. But that's kind of how I rationalized. I don't know if it's right or not. but Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it, too. I think the ending, it's, you know, it's pretty clear that this is all, be- it's the whole, it's a dream, but it's not really a dream. It's a simulation. They were basically living inside their suits and everyday life was getting simulated and everything like that. So I think that's how I rationalized a lot of the things that were going on, even though I'm pretty sure there is answers for most everything in this game, which is cool if you look into it far enough. But I try not to take it too seriously a lot of the time. Like, whenever I got really confused by something, I just, you know, think about, oh man, that yakisoba pan looked delicious. And, you know, think about And I would think about the more, you know, delightful things in the game than the really confusing narratives. Hamburger! (laughs) Hamburger was so great. Which, by the way, I don't know who... I think, Addy, you said Natsuni was your second favorite character, but Mirai was my favorite character. I love that guy. He's fantastic. If I had to choose my favorite character, I was probably in between Shu Amiguchi and Yuki Takamiya. Now, I personally just really enjoy Shu just because there's something about him that I look at and I'm like that's who I was that's exactly who I was I was absolutely the person who didn't really think too much of themselves and then eventually started lying to themselves enough that they became confident and then just kept rolling with it and that's exactly who he was and I was like I love it yes that's who I am you're talking about Amaguchi right yes Okay, yeah. Not only that, this is something that I will probably keep for the rest of my life. Every once in a while, since I played this mostly in bed, my wife just knocked out next to me, a lot of times I would just get really close to her face while I was in combat, and I would just go up to her and go, gotta put on a show for Yuki-chan. <laughs> and she would always yeah. just reply it back to me in her half-sleeping days. She's like, mm, gotta put on a show for Yuki-chan. Like, I... I love the delivery of that, and it's something I'm probably going to be saying for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, he's a, oh, he's a really so good, good character. He's definitely top tier for me. I like what they did with him a lot, and especially seeing the earlier version of himself, because the older version's obviously, well, the different looped version of himself is a diff- bit of an asshole. But I gotta ask one thing of you guys, because I think one of my favorite twists in the entire game was with Sheba. I don't know if you guys caught on to that, but looking back, which Sheba was Jiro's like best Ooh. friend throughout the whole beginning where he had, he kept giving you those videotapes because whenever they revealed the thing with him that he was just in Jiro's mind only, that just that blew me away because then I looked back at all the scenes and no one ever talked to him besides Jiro. And I'm like, wow, that was brilliant. That was actually the moment I think that really hooked me into the game. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't like, okay, this is going to be banging status. But that moment in particular, I was like, oh man, they just fucking fight club me. Like that was great. into Jiro, just because this is so funny to me. I was telling my wife right before we got to that segment, I was like, Man, I think Juro's segments, you know, I think he's pretty weak. I don't really feel like I care about him. And then they <laughs> hit us with, oh, yeah, I'm 426. I'm like, okay, all right, let's go. No one, no one's seen this man. No one's spoken to this man. Okay. By the way, why is 426 and Chihiro, like, at least half of the characters in this fucking game? Like, every single person is 426 or every single person is Chihiro. It's almost as bad as Kingdom Hearts. I'm already half Xehanort, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 
I love that line. I fucking hate that game. I hate that entire series except Kingdom Hearts 2. But I love that line so much. Me? I'm already half Xehanort. Ugh. Did you realize what the tapes were for? I did not at the time. I was I just thought he was uh he was loving the Kaijo movies like he's big into those. But yeah, the fact that it's memories like I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Yeah, it was a really cool twist. I, I still so apparently the reason why it's tapes is because Juro Karabe was so different from Juro Izumi that apparently he needed to watch them as movies to actually be able to ingest those memories. Right. Which that's trippy as hell. And apparently the same thing for Iori. Her dreams were being put in by Chihiro because you can't just kind of shove them in or else you get Shinonome. Which, by the way, were you guys annoyed with Shinonome's just constantly forgetting stuff? Yeah, taking those pills all the time, too. I think I had messaged Straw Hat, and I was like, hey, is it normal for during her segments for the screen to be flashing, or is my TV fucking up? Like, I honestly didn't know at first, but I think part of the problem with her, too, and I mean, I don't know if this would have helped with her character, but she was actually one of the very last characters I got to, and it was just because the segments that she was appearing in, I wasn't particularly interested in in the first place, but yeah, she just ended up annoying me more often than not. She was also the one that I think I would get most lost in the sections trying to do, because... I think a couple of them, like, if you took pills too many times, it would, like, screw you up, or... I think I even had, like, repeated a section once with her. I would get lost with her at times. I will say when it comes to her, I feel like I was annoyed the most with her gameplay segments, as well as Nenji Ogata, because those were the ones that felt like they looped too much, where you could easily accidentally do the same thing you just did. Oh, the Ogata segment at the train is painful at first i did not like that yeah i really liked ogata as a character but yeah his section i did get confused a couple times too because you had to talk you had to go to the left or to the right and then if you go too far kisaragi's like oh why are you doing this oh you got to get on this train no not that train so yeah it did get confusing not only that if you go too far left you get into a fight then at that point you're locked into that track and at that point, you go back and you die and you start playing the movie Source Code again. And I just, oh my god. I was starting to get really impatient with him. Even though I don't feel like he's a bad character. No, he's not. I just was really annoyed with that segment. His sections in Kisaragi's story were actually pretty good. Probably his best ones, actually. Oh yeah, him paired with Tomi Kisaragi. Now that's that was a good combo. I enjoy the fact that it's... He is a punk. Like, he's he is a punk. Tomi is... That's the thing. Tomi in 2025 is basically a girl that would absolutely be Gen Z. So, I, I, sure. I don't know if that was intentional or not, or if they accidentally stumbled on that. But she's absolutely from what time period she's in. And seeing the two of them interact is very fun. The only time I remember getting really, really stuck in that game was trying to lure that stupid cat... And I was stuck at that part for at least an hour. But other than that, I was pretty usually consistent getting good through the game. I really got to say, too, uh, with Kisaragi and Ogata, I really liked at the end where because he tells her, oh, you had such a dog face when you were younger. And then she made fun of his hair at the beginning when they first met. So, yeah, I love those, too. That's why they're two of my favorite characters. That just reminded me there is entry within the mystery files that is dog face and apparently what it is is that she didn't realize that that was an insult so she just played it off 
Now, I played this game in very quick succession, but I think I played the opening very, like, almost a month or two before I actually started hitting it hard. So I didn't even remember that segment until I actually checked. Alright, here it is. In 1980s slang term used to call someone ugly, Neji Ogata threw this insult at Tomiki Saragi. Blah 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 blah. They go into why the Japanese use that as an insult. It is involved with a Japanese chin dog. While Kisaragi failed to recognize this was an old-fashioned retort, it was clear that it wasn't a compliment. Yeah, I don't I didn't even realize that she didn't realize it was an insult or wasn't one. I love that even Hemburger has an entry. <laughs> There's an interview with the creator where somebody asked if Kijiyama had hamburger steak instead of yakisoba pan, if he would have liked that more. Because there's that little argument between the two of them over which is better. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Best part of the game. Another great character. That was probably the best part of the game. Like, bro, you've tried this thing from the last decade or so. Shit's delicious. Like, nah, man. Nah, man, this is the best food you will ever eat. And it just then I started thinking and I got really sad because I thought, wow, probably anyone before the 80s didn't get to have the same trashy food that we have all the time. And they are missing out. Absolutely. I really liked his sections where he just had to find money to get yakisoba pawn. Like he just would have <laughs> to either find it under the cat or find it under the vending machine, diving for coins to get yakisoba pawn. It's so ridiculous that Shinonome as a character is probably way more important to the story, and yet Hijiyama just trying to find coins to buy a fucking bread was way more interesting. Oh, I agree completely. That game has sold me. Like, the first thing I do when I finally get to go to Japan, I'm buying some yakisoba pan. Like, absolutely. For sure. We're all probably going to time it for the Persona concert. I will join you. I will join you for some yakisoba pan. I've told my wife already. I'm like, man, you want to you try some of this yakisoba pan? Like, we can look around and see if we can get it here, but... I'm willing to hold off. I'm willing to hold off to get it in Japan. I keep looking for that schedule, but they don't want to drop it yet. Oh, these bastards, please. Yeah, I really hope that happens. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but at least next year. Get it back on by 2022. Let's get this show on the road. Just because I realize that even trying to go through the story-wise is going to be a fucking mess of just small minutia. Let's just go through characters. That seems a little easier, right? Excellent. Juro. How, and here's the thing, if we're going to hit a character, we can hit every single version of that character. So if we want to take Juro from two loops ago, Juro from one loop ago, Juro, uh, Fluffy, uh, uh, <laughs> Shiba, uh, we can take every single facet of Juro. How do we feel about Juro? Yeah, Juro Karabe, the actual version you actually get to meet at the beginning is probably, like you said, Ed, the, the least interesting at first because he's pretty much just the typical, oh, I'm, I, he kind of has amnesia. He's just kind of into kaijo movies. And I pretty much like all his other versions better, like Fluffy and, of course, uh, Shiba too. So Juro's good. I liked him a lot, actually. Even the kind of early boring Juro. I don't know. I don't want to say I had a sixth sense about it, but I could kind of feel something was off and that there was going to be more to him because there's no way he's just that dull, I guess, to put it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just... No, the thing is that in my head, I'm thinking like there's a level of boringness that's acceptable and he was below that line. You're like, nah, no one's actually that boring. There's no way. Yeah. Like, I mean, they got to try to make these characters interesting, right? And I was right at the end of the day because you get your twists and everything like that. Floppy is the best version of Jiro. 
No, hands down. Yes. Hands down. Yes. Oh my god. Whenever you're playing as Megumi and you turn the TV to the different channel, he's like, hey, I was watching that. Like, oh my god. I loved pissing off Fluffy. It was so good. Fluffy's my spirit animal. What'd you guys think of Fluffy, like, when you first met him? Because I was like, is there some. Because, as I said, I watch a lot of anime, so I'm thinking, is there, like, some magical-type twist into this? Because there's a talking cat, but it doesn't end up being that. I thought it was, like, a hallucination at first, is what I thought. Not a hallucination, but, like, something that was being programmed to see. Like, I didn't think that was actually that, but... My first impression of Fluffy was, oh, a talking cat. Okay. I'm not joking. That That is basically what my mind thought i didn't try to think further into the cat i was just like it's a talking cat and he's telling us to shoot people i assume you are just trying to get something in people as soon as nanomachines got brought up and it's a gun that doesn't kill someone i was like okay you're shooting nanomachines into people but are you doing it because you're bad and you want to call the kaiju down like, I, that was my impression, and it wasn't until he started revealing more that I went, oh, okay, so you're 426, but why are you having people get shot with with the nanomachines? Which, by the way, do you guys know why? Oh, I can't remember now. I know, I know they tell you. Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. I probably did at the time, but I've forgotten. So, I read this up. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, man, I read so fucking much of this game. Apparently, what it is is that... Fluffy, all he does is make a gameplay thing make more sense. The nanomachines that are getting shot into them allows them to buy upgrades in-game. That's all it is. Really? Okay, because I I wasn't sure, because I kind of remember, wasn't there something, too, about one of the 13 was always calling the kaiju to the world, and I thought maybe that was a way to slow that down? Because I remember Ogata, I think, is one of the first one who gets... Like, because in one of his flashbacks, he gets shot by one of the Morimoras of the past, and he's the transmitter of the kaiju, but I could be wrong. Like I said, it's been a while. Okay, to jump from different things, um, ah, I lost it. I lost the one thing I was going to mention, so I'm going to move to the other one, which is that scene that you're talking about, about Ogata getting shot. It's one of the first early segments of the actual same loop that we're in. There we go. A suspicious woman approaches the seven-year-old Nenji Ogata. Ogata reminded of the TV show, blah, 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 blah. Uh, appearances by Nenji Ogata and Chihiro Morimura. So I think that Chihiro Morimura is Iori from a loop previously. So... Do you remember how I was saying that they are kind of the same person? It's just that their upbringing and names may change. So it's better to say Iori is Chihiro. So Chihiro from the previous loop of what we play is also the young Chihiro who is Iori. So previous loop to what we played is Chihiro and that's the one who shot Ogata when he was seven yeah it gets confusing well i was just gonna say then you have uh mori moraz uh um, your eyes or i can't what is his name now i got the art book out here too oh hell yeah addy i'm uh, so sorry i couldn't get you the art book nah, it's all it's good I, I got a copy of the game that's all that matters <laughs> 
Itaro's little sister, remember in the past, he's she's also like Morimura too. Now is... do you guys know who that Morimura is? I have no idea. It, I, yeah, I mean it's I I probably don't know either. <laughs> so that Chihiro, I have her entry up. She is not Chihiro Morimura that we know. She is a clone of the 2188 Chihiro Morimura. Apparently, of the Chihiro Morimura that we know <laughs> was pulling data from Sector Zero, and she's like, oh, cool, the data that I backed up is there. I'm going to back up Chihiro Morimura into a clone, and then she accidentally grabs 2188 Chihiro Morimura instead of herself. Yep, that sounds right. As crazy as it sounds, it sounds correct. <laughs> oh my god, my head hurts. The, the funny thing is, you could probably just make up a bunch of stuff, and I would agree with you, because it just makes sense. <laughs> you're, you're just a Vince McMahon. Give up, like, hmm. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. By the way, have we talked about, in, in terms of characters that aren't actually playable, how much I enjoyed uh, Okino? Have we, have we spoken about Okino yet? Did I miss it? I don't think we have, but I really liked Okino. I thought he was a fantastic character. Love to troll. I always like those characters. Yeah, he was a total troll. He, he spoke to my heart. <laughs> I really enjoyed Okino just because it, he felt like he was just so done with everything. Like, he was like, look, I understand that it's the fate of the world, but can you just shut up for like half a second? Yeah, and he's like, let me play with uh, Hijiyama's heart because he dresses as a, as a girl for a while. And then he's like, oh, you really like this. You like when I wear a dress, don't you? Oh my god. Yeah, the, re Hijiyama. the relationship oh. between those two is probably my favorite part of the game. Honestly, I loved it. It's hilarious to me that 45 Hijiyama is like, ah, oh, shit, am I gay? I have no idea. Oh my god. <laughs> and then you look at 2188 Hijiyama, he's like, yeah, this is my husband. I don't, what, you're gonna fucking say anything to me? We're in space, I don't care. Like, it's so hilarious how base 2188 is about being gay. It's comedic when you compare it to the Hijiyama 45. Yeah, he's like the male Sundere type, like he won't admit his feelings. I, look, I want to ask you what it is. I feel like I could also open up an incognito tab, but I think I'm just going to let that one slip because I don't need to learn more weeb terms than I already know. <laughs> I'm surprised you've never heard that one, Ed. The weebs will know. Oh, I, I knew. So what does that say about me? Fantastic. <laughs> I okay. Just because we jumped into Okino now, I still think it's fuck. It's it's hilarious. Okay, I'm I'm pulling it up. Right, uh, the Sukasa Okino. Oh, hold on. Just because this was funny, something that my wife and I noticed. So of course we both speak Spanish. Sukasa in Spanish is your house. So su casa, mm, yes. it means your house. So we did laugh for a little bit when we're like, wait a minute, Sukasa your house. Stu's named after a fucking house. So, uh, moving on from that, the entry. The Tsukasa Okino of 2188 was in a romantic relationship with Takatoshi Hijiyama. As a result of the shootout in Sector 4, he was shot and killed by Juro Izumi of that time period. He is the genius engineer who created universal control. However, he tends to cut corners in coding, which explains why he borrowed a portion of its environmental code from the classic video game Mighty Kaiju Daibos. I think it's fucking hilarious that this dude is in charge of setting up humanity's eventual survival. And this man went, 
I still have Sims installed on the computer. I think I'm gonna cheat and just steal some of the code from here and put it into saving humanity. It's it's exactly what I would do. That, that I think that's why he spoke to me so well. <laughs> it matches his character perfectly too, because he's so deadpan about most things. Like, oh, the world's in trouble. I'm gonna die. Well, oh well. <laughs> I love it so much because it just sounds so fucking ridiculous. Like, I can't imagine taking any single project and then looking through my games and going like, alright, I need to set up this server for someone. I think I'm going to pull some of the code from Red Dead 2 to help me set up this <laughs> this array. Like, that's, I know that Mighty Kaiju Daimos, at least the game, the game in-game is supposedly like a very developed sim. Like, I get it. The entire reason as well is that apparently Mighty Kaiju Daimos, when it came out, apparently was very groundbreaking in the AI segment. Not only that, apparently the game itself, in the game, was used for the AI generation of everyone that they knew in the sectors. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Every single time I talk about this game, I just feel like I slowly understand, and then I see something, and it completely throws me off. And I feel like that was one of them. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to say quickly, to anyone who's still listening and has no plans to play this game, shout out to you. <laughs> if you are still listening to this, I can't understand how you're still listening to this. This is all for me more than anything else. This isn't even for you guys anymore. This is it's fascinating to look back whenever our ramblings about this game in like three years, whenever maybe we have an even more understanding. Uh, that's what 14 Citadels is coming out. Oh my god. god. Okay, here it is. I found it. The objective of the game is to survive the disaster caused by the mighty Kaiju Daimos. Players become residents of the major city five days before the Kaiju appear and get to experience the faded day of their invasion in this simulation survival game. From an old woman who runs a cigar shop to a young man who seeks to avenge his parents, 10 million independent NPCs lead their lives in a digital metropolis that's 30 kilometers long. Even experts were astounded by the elaborate constructed AI, which their behavior was indistinguishable from real humans. Hearing all... Oh, hold on. I want to say this line too. Apparently, Mighty Kaiju Daimos was developed in the year 2154, and it was developed by Vanillaware. So I guess Vanillaware is going to survive for another 100 years. Good for them. Excellent. I still think it's hilarious reading this, because then you just realize how little Okino even did. He was like, 30 kilometers? Yeah, we're not going to change that value. Um, <laughs> AI that is supposed to mimic real people? Yeah, good enough. Just keep that in. Isn't that also the game that Shiba plays at Shu's house? Like, he plays a video game, I know. I can't remember if that's the one or I think not. it is. Oh my, yeah, I, I do think it is. So that probably makes it funnier because you'd imagine that 426 Juro probably had the same... Wait, no. No, no. Juro? I don't think any line of the Juro actually remembered original 2188 Juro. You got me. Man, even that, even with how much I read about this fucking game, I still don't remember most of the stuff. Alright, so Fluffy, absolutely best Juro. Probably low-tier Juro is probably Karabe. Izumi is slightly better, but buff and adult Juro is probably second or third best, depending on how many of them there are. And any disagreements... No, I'd say that's pretty good. He's the one who gets stuff done, too, the buff one. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the man is the one who went and decided to kill all the others because he thought that if all of them died, they wouldn't be able to send out the signal to the kaiju. Like, this man tried to get things done. Punish Juro in the cell. <laughs> Which, having that one up, apparently that was Juro from two loops ago and then Juro from a loop ago. Which, whenever I saw that scene, even now that I think about it, was there any point to that besides just confusing you? Uh, then I think uh, Juro Karabe just talked to him, right? And just kind of, that's how, when he figured out who, that he, who he was and why he was doing what he was, maybe. I don't remember for sure. So I have it up. Okay, appearances by Juro Izumi two loops ago, Juro Izumi one loop ago, and Tsukasa Okino one loop ago. So... Karabe actually isn't even here. It's okay. just Izumi meeting Izumi from different loops. Yeah. That's where most of my questions come into this game where I'm like, I feel like they were doing a very lost thing where they were just keep throwing mysteries that were red herrings to make sure you kept questioning. Now, I'm okay with it because it's a game. I don't feel like for games we hammer too much the details because if you get the feeling across whenever you're in the story you're okay to forgive details but i feel like the game almost went a little bit overboard sometimes with some of the extra details that they throw in where it just feels like okay you're throwing this on just to confuse a little bit more is there an actual definitive answer that will lead anywhere no is there an answer yeah but will it lead anywhere that is you know more enlightened no like i don't really think so yeah, I think they made the, at least, or it seems like they made the ending. We kind of understand at least what they were going for with that. So some of the stuff in between is definitely like, maybe we're totally missing what they were going for. But they had, at least I feel, a clear ending. So that kind of ties everything together for me, at least. So that feels a little better than being confused through most of the other stuff. Yeah, if you nail the ending, I can forgive a lot. And I think the ending tied everything together for me. And just to circle back for half a second but uh, your comparison to lost ed was bang on like i really did feel a lot of lost elements in this game and just kind of how they were setting up the characters and the mysteries of everything um, and this even had a more satisfied ending than lost for me too so uh, i think it's a good comparison i think i'll agree i don't know i don't feel like i want to get into lost i will watch it eventually and it'll probably get brought back up but i, I don't want to get in there just yet just because we did mention the ending, now I feel like that is one spot I want to go to. So, the sectors, did those exist physically? Uh, I kind of thought it was more of a simulation. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Because like, I feel like... Okay, if it was a simulation, are they just gelatin inside pods? Or are they consistently cryogenically frozen to be young because then at some point they mentioned that oh you know whenever you become of age you'll have a two-year training program to be 20 and i'm like wait a minute does that mean that they've been 18 growing up 18 this entire time but then apparently it's been 20 million years since the they got launched out like oh my god so i kind of thought Basically, from because I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at the end of everything, when the Earth was pretty much destroyed and everything, the last survivors were on the space station, right? Mm -hmm. That they had at, at the end. Yeah. So, and then after that, I just thought that they took some of the last remaining 
humans. I don't know how old they were at the time, but they weren't corrupted by whatever was taking over and are killing everybody. And they were aging in the pods as they were flying to the next destination, is what I thought. How I understand the history before the characters that we deal with. Morimura was selling nanomachines on the black market and something done with this decimated humanity. The mm-hmm. 15 people that are on the space station in 2188 are the 15 characters that we know are actually real in the simulation. I'm putting quotation marks because, okay, simulation is in not a real world, but is it actually a physical world? I don't know. But basically those 15 characters that existed they sent out their dna to just wander through space but the thing from there is that they say that that dna pod has been traveling for over 20 million years yeah i I didn't realize that so okay uh the final file here uh the truth as the mystery file uh, the place they reside on now is planet RS-13 Alpha, 1,200 light years away from Earth following the Virgo constellation. It has been 20 million years since the probes departed Earth. When the terraforming of the new planet was finished, the cloning process for the DNA of the 15 began in the facility area. So does that mean that, like, that's the thing. I'm trying to imagine that were they just literally gelatin in a procedural world and then once they actually escaped that's when they became physical humans yeah that's a good question ever thought of their exact state i was thinking more of like a cryogenically frozen type of thing but it sounds like they were definitely in there for a long time well if you think about at the very beginning of course we find out that all the characters are naked in the, the pods which of course if you're familiar with mecca and all that stuff it's like oh typical oh we can throw fan service in there but i always thought that's kind of how they were in the space pods too like that's why they were like that they were like that but then it's so weird because then it feels like they make such a specific thing about saying oh well you guys are going to grow up until you're a certain age and once you're 18 you're gonna learn for two years on how to actually rebuild humanity It felt like that was so specific that it makes me question what exactly are the logistics of how they're even in these worlds. Like, is it, are they actually physically there? These are questions that don't matter, but for some reason they put them in my head and now I have to ask them. (laughs) Well, if you remember too, didn't they say at one point that the actual humans in the pod that are going to the simulation have, is it 80% of their the taste and touch is devoted to make them feel like they're in a real world for the simulation. Correct. But the part of me that wonders is, so those nanomachines that are in their hand, are they kind of just like, is it just cameras that are floating around inside an actual like built out world? Because it sounds like, okay, not in the opening of the game, but it sounds at the beginning of the game, like with the 2188 people, it sounds like they're actually talking about real construction of these sectors. 
I'm just going too far into the weeds, aren't I? I feel like I'm getting more confused. I don't know about Addy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to pretend that you're wrong, because that just opens up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't want to think about that possibility. This is going to make me go do more research after we're yeah, done here and be like, all right. That's the problem. I don't want to do that. I don't want to reinstall it just to go through the fucking files. And if you remember right at the end, too, they actually go back into the simulation after the they grow up for a while because they talk about how they look when they were younger because they go back because they want to hang out like because Fuyasaka and uh, Kisaragi were friends with Miwako and since she was part of the simulation they had to go back in there to visit her but then they talk about oh look how you look that's where he says oh you had such a dog face when you were younger but I thought that was interesting that they actually went back to the simulation. It's still hilarious to me that Miwako, from talking about everything that we've said, Miwako was created by Vanillaware twice because they put her in this actual 13 Sentinels game and they also created her in Mighty Kaiju Daimos. I, I, there's something about them making the game that made the AI, but also making the AI. Oh my god, okay, I'm moving. Okay, I gotta stop. I gotta <laughs> stop. You see, this is the problem. I start going way too far into the weeds and they the game loses me again which i'm pretty sure is just my problem of overthinking it but i still really like the game well i think that's why it's so good though because you can delve so deeply into all the side stuff if you want to but you don't have to either so and like how many games actually make you think like that not many so i think it's really cool most of my favorite games honestly I, if they make me continuously think they are something special even though I don't feel like Final Fantasy XV is that good of a game, the fact that I kept digging and I kept finding more things to like, I was like, oh, okay, you know what, I'm actually into this. Maybe I do like reading, maybe it's just, I like reading nonfiction for fiction. Does that make sense? You need to get more into those visual novels, man. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good hey, ones that are going to... Hey, he's about to get it to Danganronpa, so... Which is also very good, so you'll like that. I'll get there, I'll get there. It'll probably be after beating Near Replicant twice, probably. N no joke. I'm probably going to play it. I'm going to beat it as quickly as I can and then go back and kind of take it very slowly. So, okay. We got Juro out of the way. Let's go ahead and tackle probably the second ridiculously spanning character, Jihiro Morimura, Iori Fuyusaka. How do we feel about her? I can let Addy go first this time. Sure, yeah. So I'm actually quite a fan of her, which I know, I think Straw Hat isn't, and I think a lot of people have her pretty low-tiered. I actually like Fuyasaka a lot. I thought her character was pretty cute. The whole constantly sleeping thing I thought was a good little angle to it. Her storyline in particular, again, like her actual base storyline isn't particularly interesting, but when you get into all the different versions of her, uh, how she's basically a part of Chihiro, uh, just everything that she's gone through, I don't know, I found her character super interesting, and she was one of the ones that I was looking forward to playing more of and finding out more, basically. I think I had her like mid-tier in my ranking list. My favorite parts with Fuyusaka were hanging out with Kisaragi and Miwako trying to figure out what to eat. Like, if you want the hot dog, you want the... What did, well, well, they get the crepes the one time, the strawberry crepes. I can't remember what other food they got, but just the slice of life type stuff with her. And then, of course, you meet her because she's running in with or running to school because she's late with toast in her mouth, which is the typical trope. 
Okay, I was deciding whether if it was Iori or Tomi that was going to be low bar, like the lowest character. I'm going to have to give it to Iori because I hated the slice of life stuff. I hated it so much because I was like, oh my god, this game is teenagers in mechas and there's time travel, but I don't know that at the point that it's not real. Uh, there's so many other things that are going on, and Iori's over here like, oh my god, Miwako wants a boy, there's a cat over here, let's get food. I, I really wanted to wear a noose necklace <laughs> playing as her. I was like, oh my god, get with the story. And it doesn't help that when you find out she's Chihiro, you're like, wait a minute, Chihiro's actually interesting. How is this the same person? Yeah, that's interesting. Because, well, I, and she was really obsessed with Sekigahara the whole time too which kind of annoyed me because that was like her main plot point for a while like oh I like this boy and then she's like well do I like why am I so obsessed with boys all the time because I'm dreaming about Jiro she also questioned if she liked uh, Goto at one point so it seemed like she was really focused on that a lot of the time besides the slice of life stuff yeah I mean the slice of life stuff it's obviously it's not going to be as interesting as mechas and all this other stuff but i found it a nice little change of pace like i said besides this is the part with the cat and uh, i hated that part I, I hated that part i was angry at the game but other than that part i don't know i enjoyed it enough i think i don't know it kind of reminded me of persona in a way just the kind of casual hang friends hanging out a little bit of a break from all the craziness going on but i could see why it wasn't for everyone the boy craziness for her, I think, is also what drove me insane because I kept thinking, you are Chihiro Morimura. She is the person that is kicking this all into high gear and all you're doing is chasing Sekigahara around. My <laughs> god, do something. I, The entire game, she just spends trying to figure out how to get into Sekigahara's pants and it just drove me insane because we have Chihiro on the other side and she's doing everything okay I pulled up her mystery file okay first they give her the regular bio oh Iori's this she's very good at school but also bad at some of these subjects these are her friends and then from here the rest of all of her stuff is just stuff that Chihiro did and not her Fuisaka is able to unlock the gate. Uh, she holds on to Sekigahara as he takes her home on her motorcycle. Uh, she is from Sector 1. All of her data is pointless because there's a Chihiro entry. And I, oh, I, the more I talk about her, the more negative I'm getting. Yeah, I think Addy definitely is the highest on her. <laughs> so moving on to Megumi. Yeah. Oh, let's go Megumi. <laughs> I'll start off, I'll start off. Megumi, I like her because I have a thing for quiet girls that can stand their ground. I like them because, I don't, you know what, the doors are closed, but I'm pretty sure she'll still be able to hear me. It reminds me of my wife, all right? My wife was a very quiet girl, but when she needed to, she would punch someone in the face. Oh, Megumi's so, literally shooting motherfuckers. So, yeah. Oh my god, The you know what? Top tier Megumi is when Sekigahara pulls a gun and Megumi's like, try me, motherfucker. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was losing my shit. Oh, Let's not forget she's the Yakisobi Pawn Angel. She oh. is. Yes, I totally forgot about that. You're right. Oh, Megumi is so top tier. I mean, she hears a talking cat and just goes, 
yeah, all right, I'm gonna just start shooting people. I mean, she's doing... She has no idea what she's doing to them. She's just shooting all these people to get Juro Izumi back. Yeah, well, that's it, to be fair. All of this is for her devotion for uh, Juro, right? So... Yeah. Uh, well, a different now, version of Juro, which... Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> that's the best way to go. Uh, the Juro. <laughs> so... I look, look, most of the time I get really annoyed when a character is just so single driven that they just start really fucking up everything. But by the fact that it's a fucking cat that's telling her to blast people and it's so contrasting with the character that it seems like she is, where she just seems like this quiet, reserved girl and she's out here blasting everyone. I love this clash. Yeah, it doesn't. I got. Oh. I gotta say, actually, maybe I should do this as well. But if you get a chance, like YouTube, some of the scenes of her basically blasting fuckers in Japanese because it's amazing. Like just her tone Ooh. never changes. She's just still very quiet and stoic, but she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna shoot your ass," and it's it's fucking fantastic. I loved her, <laughs> dude. The best part is that her tone doesn't break when she aims at Sekigahara. Like they have a straight up showdown in the nurse's office, and they're just both like. Bro, you know I will shoot. Just as well as you know you will shoot, you know I will too. And then Sekigahara was like, you know what? This probably isn't worth it. I don't know what kind of gun she has. She says it's magic. I'm not going to trust this. Let's get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, she's definitely a top-tier character for me. One of my favorites. They did a great job with her. Straw Hat, anything you want to add to Megumi? No, I mean, I probably was a little lower than you guys, but I still liked her character. I did like her storyline because you spend a lot of time in the house, like cooking and watching TV. And I'm also not really a big fan of the single mindedness. Like she's obsessed with Jiro, but she did grow over me over the time. And like you said, I love she was just taking no names and she was the Yakisobi Pawn Angel, of course, so... <sighs> I'm remembering that she's the Yakisobi Pan Angel definitely makes her even higher top tier than I thought she was. Plus, no other story has Fluffy. That she's got it. Yeah, she, she's got she, it. She's the Yakisobi Pan Angel. She has Fluffy. She's shooting motherfuckers. Like I do not know what else you could want from a character. <laughs> oh, and also, she was the only one who could see Fluffy, right? Yes. I think yes. they say that. That was another thing where I was like, oh yeah, another bait and switch on her. Mm -hmm. apparently when i was reading up on that so obviously fluffy is 426 which is izumi from two loops behind apparently that's also tied proximity wise to juro karabe so when he got kidnapped megumi basically is like ah shit where's fluffy and she doesn't realize that it's tied to location to karabe but from reading the entries we found that out not only that remember when she broke in to save him Oh, yes. Oh. That was when, uh, was it Ogata had? Or no, well, no, it would have been Hiyama and Okina, I think, yeah. had Jiro. Yeah, it was those two that yeah. I'm kidnapped. Yeah, Hiyama and Okino were just kidnapping every single character and reading their mind and going, are you the one? Nah, toss. <laughs> are you the one? Nah, toss. Oh. By the way, was the key ever important? Uh, it doesn't really seem like it because they couldn't find it because that's really all what Ogata's mission was, wasn't it? And his train mission was to find the key and then yet yeah, didn't really seem to matter in the end. You're right, actually. That segment really was useless. It, it makes me sad, but at least I'm happy. Okay, screw it. We're jumping into that character. We're breaking, we're breaking, uh, 
whatever. It's already late enough. My brain's starting to hurt. We're moving over to Ogata. Um, how do we feel about Ogata? I really liked him as a character. I like the more pompadour, like the gangster type characters. He reminded me actually a little bit of Ryuji in a way. Like he kind of has the punk going for him, but I noticed in the art book there is a chocolate bar with him, and I don't remember anything with a chocolate bar with him, do you? So, I want to throw it out first. Ryuji from Persona 5, right? Yes, correct, sorry. Okay, no, you are completely fine. The chocolate bar, whenever he and Tomi and Miwako get transported to 2025, apparently he finds a chocolate bar and he gives that to them to eat. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. Ogata, how do I feel about him? Truth be told, I'm at a loss for words because I don't think about him. If I had to probably put him somewhere, he'd probably be pretty mid-tier. I don't... I like him enough. He is the kind of person that... You know whenever you would go into a new class and there would be no one you recognize, but there's one person that you said a couple of sentences to and that you recognize, and both you guys have that realization moment and you go okay, we're going to be friends for this classroom because we don't want to be alone. But as soon as the semester's over and you never see them again, you never think about them again, I feel like that's how I feel about Ogata. <laughs> Sounds harsh. It's not supposed to be harsh because we had we had a fun semester, you know? We cheated off each other's tests, you know? We, we shared some games, you know? It was fine. It was a good time. Just that if I never saw him again, I don't think I'd be sad. Yeah, I think I like him less than you, so I shouldn't be talking, but... <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Ogata? Then? He's bottom tier for me, honestly. I think as a I, I, yeah, I think as a character, he's fine. Like, and I do think it's, some of that stuff is definitely saved by the end. And I think his best segments are with Tomi, like for sure. But just the stuff on the train at the beginning just made my eyes glaze over, and I could not wait to be done with that. And it really ruined the rest of his arc for me. He probably gets a little overshadowed by Hijiyama, too, because they're both kind of the tough guy type characters, even though they are different enough. But I'm sure because a lot of people probably like Hijiyama more than him. That's actually a good point, because Hijiyama is top tier for me, if not my favorite. Hijiyama, I don't even think really does anything in the story except want a yakisoba pun. And he is above. (laughs) He's so top tier above Ogata. It's not even funny. So you're probably not wrong that it's just Ogata, but if he had an obsession with a certain food. So <laughs> I feel like I need to even put Ogata lower now. I, Yeah, I'm putting him lower tier. That's, oh my god, that feels even more insulting. All you need to do is just want a sandwich and I like you. I'll say this, top tier hair. Top tier hair. The pompadour. The pompadour is beautiful. So top tier. I'll allow it. Moving on. A Sekigahara. How are you feeling about him? I mean, I did like him by the end, but he's kind of the straight, like, focused, very dark, anti-hero type character most of the time, and I thought he was kind of boring for the most part, but I don't know, I guess he was fine. I think he's pretty mid-tier for me. Yeah, absolutely mid-tier. Actually, Ed, what you just said about Ogata, that's probably how I feel about Takagara. (laughs) <laughs> honestly like he's so mid-tier for me smack dab in the mid mid-tier he had some cool moments i actually liked his story with the whole what is it he had to call that certain number that he left for himself in the phone booth oh, that yeah. was really cool yeah. i thought that was a really cool bit but then there's just other parts where i just didn't care you're not wrong he feels like a very noir character but he also feels like the very stereotypical japanese protagonist where it's like 
oh man, I lost my memories. I need to find everything back. There's a whole bunch of characters that don't have memories and fit that, but they go into different directions that you don't mind. Ace Takigahara feels like he's just, I don't have memories. I need to figure out what happened. He has his hand on his head most of the time. <laughs> That's his pretty much primary idol animation, just having his hand on his head, which, by the way, is already such an anime thing to do. He was constantly eating the pills too, right? Uh, I think they wanted him to take Or did he not take them? He needed them, but he didn't take them as much as Shinonome did. Right, okay, that makes sense. I think with him, kind of like what you guys said, his segments were actually pretty cool, like what you played out, but him as a character, he just wasn't that interesting. Yeah. Now, the other thing as well is that, God, this game is so fucking hard to talk about because you feel like you're always missing something out. Uh... Juro at some point was one of the Juros was in love with um, Chihiro at some point. Megumi was in love with the previous Juro Izumi, and all these different connections. A Sekigahara apparently gets with Iori in this current loop. Not only that, Sekigahara is also Shino Nome's not by blood sister. I do have to commend, even though with how ridiculous some of these webs get, I do like that it always felt like no character was more than two degrees separated from another. Yeah, I can see that. Alright, so Sekigahara, how do I even feel about him? He would be the person that I would use. So I would probably be his friend because I feel like he'd be useful but the moment that he started annoying me and he outlived his usefulness, I'd probably get rid of him. I feel like that's supposed to sound as harsh as it does, because I don't feel like there's anything about Sekigahara that I would want to deal with. He just I feels like true. brooding anime character that I'm fine not having to deal with. You want him on your side in the fight, but not necessarily after the fight. Yeah, you're invited to the party, just not the after party. It's harsh, but honestly fair. Renya Goto. How about this man? You know what? I'm going to say that Renya Goto is to A. Sekigahara what Hijiyama is to Ogata. Interesting. I didn't really think about it that way. That's interesting. I feel like Goto is the person who is digging down to try to find answers, and so is Sekigahara, but it feels like Goto actually gets shit done, and he actually feels like he has a purpose. Which is hilarious, because he is the very last character that gets introduced, and I don't know about you guys, but any time he popped up, I would jump in and do every single one of his stories that I could. Yeah, because he kind of, he was pretty much the last one, because I think you could do one story segment as him, and then after that you had to wait till like you had 80% or higher on every single character, and then you could just pretty much beeline it through him. But I always kind of thought he was might be the villain. He has the very villain type look you know with the hair and the glasses it just reminded me of a typical villain but he ended up not being that yeah i agree actually i thought goto was pretty bad at first too but he turns out not to be goto's good he'd be probably mid-tier for me as well but kind of closer to the top of the mid-tier it was a little bit rough having to wait so long to get into his story i found but once i was finally able to circle back and get into his story it was pretty consistently interesting like that one got its hooks and he's trying to figure out exactly what he knew because he seemed to be, like you said, the one putting all this shit together and actually doing something. Mm -hmm. So, another connection. Goto was in love with the Chihiro Morimura from the previous loop? Wait, no, no, hold on. Okay, this is the thing that always trips me up. 
does the loop reset when every sector is gone or with whenever a sector goes down? I think don't they all reset except for the one sector? Is it sector zero or because that's where they all try to go, right? So what I mean is that in this loop, 2025 is already gone. So is 2064. And then they move over to 1985. Does the loop happen once every single area is gone because 1945 is gone as well so if 1985 had gone down does that loop back over everyone goes back into their own sector and then it all starts again and they try to make sure that they can beat the kaiju this time oh wait i just answered my question never mind okay never mind yeah yeah it loops whenever every sector is gone so that means that the Chihiro Morimura and Goto are still of the same loop, just from a different sector. So the Chihiro from... Oh my god, I'm starting to get into the weeds. Okay, Goto was in love with Chihiro. Damn it. Correct. Now, does that does that have any bearing? Uh, well, because I noticed a lot of with his story segments, you get a lot of lore dump with his stuff because it's near the end. So they're like trying to explain stuff, but I don't really feel like they go too much into the relationship other than it's obviously one sided. I will say it is very weird to have him be like, ah, yes, I love Chihiro Morimura. And not only that, he says that the previous Renya Goto of 2188 also loved Chihiro. But then that hero is also the little kid that's in front of him, and he's over here trying to right. express his love. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I get what you guys are going for, but this doesn't feel right to have this 18-year-old express his love of the same person who is this 8-year-old in front of him. I was like, I get what you're doing, but this doesn't feel right. It was weird, but can I also mention, just on a separate side note, that Tagoto hmm. did not look 18 years old at all to me. Like, I always thought that was weird. Like, he definitely looked older to me. That feels like just a teenager thing, though. Like, any time that you have the teenager character that is supposedly above it all, he also always looks above it all. Like, he looks like a teenager from an 80s movie where you're like, dude, you, you're not in high school. You have a mortgage and two kids. Shut up. Oh, for sure. I think it was definitely intentional. Don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, definitely did not look like an 18-year-old because he was smarter than everyone else, too. Yeah, everybody called him Senpai, of course. Oh, God. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts with Goto actually was when you were controlling Shinome and you had to get rid of him, so then you had Miwako go and distract him while you had to sneak away. <laughs> I related so much with Goto at that point because I was like, man, Miwako, just shut up. Oh, poor Miracle. Oh poor Miracle. She likes the boys. Yeah. Okay. Miracle's a, sweet, Miracle's a sweetheart. If she were just like a little pitch corrected, like if she just had a little bit of a deeper voice, I think I'd be okay with her. But every time she spoke, I was just like, oh, can you just not sound like that? It just feels so high pitched and it feels too sweet and it feels like to a point where it's like i don't feel like i want to be around you because i feel like i don't get to be myself around you i feel like i'm gonna have to curtail myself like if i was talking around a child oh, that's interesting because yeah because i played it in japanese so i didn't think she was too high pitched or anything at all but that could be totally different in the english version she's haru she's haru in persona 5 oh, see, mm -hmm. see i like haru so <sighs> i know i'm the odd man out of my own <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> God, look at me entrapping myself. <laughs> that is actually how her voice sounds, too, because her voice actor's name is Xanthi, 
And I know I've played a couple other games where her character, and like you said, Persona 5, she's Haru. She's also Altina in Trails of Cold Steel. And she is another character in East 8. But she pretty much always sounds like that. Oh, God. I'm going to have to deal with her if I ever get to Trails. <sighs> okay, well, you but... could always play it in Japanese, but... Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of reading already, so... <laughs> oh, All right. <laughs> Back on track. Goto, anything else that we want to say about him? No, he's good. He's a good guy. Now, Natsuno. Natsuno. Who wants to go first? Go for it, Addy. She's one of your favorites. Yeah, so. she's absolutely fantastic. First or second character, my, in terms of favorite, or third. She's in that top three for sure. I always found myself rushing to try to get to her segments because I thought she was just really charming. Obviously, BJ. I could talk about BJ for a whole two-hour podcast on its own. BJ, the relationship between her and BJ was so sweet. And the actual gameplay element for her was really great, too. Like, getting to kind of travel around with BJ to all of these different sectors. Like, I thought that was really cool how they did that. So, she's definitely one of my favorite characters. I think she's one of the most relatable characters. Because she's just super, like, I want to help how can i help you and she's so into like sci-fi and all this shit and then she gets this alien robot well she thinks it's an alien robot that uh, basically crashes down and it's just it's really wholesome and i loved it i love her love the character love the arc straw hat go for it because i'm going to gosh and we need to break it up yeah i, mean, I really liked her too and it's it was refreshing with her because a lot of the other girls were either they were they might have been obsessed with boys or they were at least somewhat focused on boys where she was focused on aliens like Addie said she loves aliens she was convinced i think and the way i played her route like a lot of the other people knew that it was more it was definitely not aliens at the time but she was still very convinced it was all aliens are gonna attack bj's an alien he might be the the lead race but yeah i don't know how you can't like her because it's even fun going to like her track team. Like you're in the locker room. You always got to hide BJ, like get in the bag, BJ, like one of my favorite put in bag commands. BJ popping his head out like ET from the bag. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I, uh, BJ's just such a wholesome little robot. I want him. Jumping ahead a bit, but when, oh, when the unthinkable happens to BJ, that was probably the saddest part of the game for me. <laughs> Oh my god, BJ sacrificed himself it, to save the data. It broke my fucking heart. It broke my heart. Not only that, but the fact that we had heard BJ almost in tears whenever Natsuno got shot, he goes, Natsuno! Like, I'm like, oh god, yeah. these two characters care about each other, damn it. Yeah. Oh, BJ. Yeah, those two had a those two had a fantastic relationship with each other. It really was one of the best parts of the game for me. Natsuno is probably top character for me. Not a, not top tier top character i'd have to decide whether once we get to yuki maybe i might change my mind maybe if we get to shoot i might change my mind but so far natsuno is top character i no joke i would find myself skidding her around in the in the controls like whenever i would move her around since she's a runner there's of course different animations for each character but hers is so runner-like that it's so fun to just skid her whenever you would run from side to side. <laughs> so I would just look, I'm, I'm pretty sure the microphone's going to pick it up. I would just go back and forth, back and forth to watch the animation of her slide and then pick herself back up. It's like, Oh my God, this is so good. If it's just something small like that and I'm having fun, I was like, Oh my God, this character is just so 
good. Everything that she has with BJ, awesome. Not only that, her entire story doesn't have even a slow point. Her trying to figure out that it's not aliens and it's just space robots. The moment when Tomi and Tamau are fighting in the bathroom and you're stuck in the bathroom with her. Holy shit. Oh, Natsuno is top character so far. She looks so terrified in that scene too. Like you have the art of her hiding in the stall. And the frame is drawn black around her, so you can feel the enclosed space with her. And then you have all the interesting stuff with, like, Yuki, because she's best friends with Yuki. And then you find out, like, in one of the things that I think maybe BJ plays for, like, it's like, is Yuki my mom? And then you also have the stuff with Mirai, because she goes back to his time period and then brings him there and has him stay at Jiro's house. Just so good. Have you anything you want to talk about before we're done gushing about Natsuno? I could talk about her for the next half an hour, but we're already running long, so I won't do that. But no, she's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and I, I'd even go as far as to say, as if you've played this game and she's not one of your favorite characters, then I don't know how you can even enjoy this game. So and I'll leave it at that. I can get behind that. No joke, just because I've already seen the time, I will straight up and get... I'm gonna make this a special episode, damn it. I'm just gonna cut out this first part, and the next part is gonna be the normal episode. What, what, what did I say? What, what did I say? <laughs> it's almost two hours, man. Time's flying. I told you, you, there's enough information in this game that you could do a special episode. Just for the record. <laughs> no, I know, it's just that I didn't feel like I would want to talk about the game enough, but here we are. Look at me eating my words. I think you're convincing yourself that you love the game more as we go, honestly. Not to know alone has done that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Next character, Keitaro. How are we feeling about Keitaro? He's your favorite character, so Straw Hat, take it. Yeah, this this is my boy right here. I love this guy. Like, he's just so... I Like, you, you meet him. He's, of course, one of the older characters back with uh, Hijimaru, and he's just... Wait. He's so good. Hiji, no, no, I just realized you you called him Hijimaru or H Hijiyama. Sorry. Okay, no, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, was there a translation? Like, was it? No, no, no. I I just misspoke there. Okay, all right. Um, Continue. But yeah, um, yeah, you have that. Like, you're back in that time period, and I think just his interactions with Natsuno, and then of course you have hamburger steak, probably the best line in the Hem the line where he's just contemplating hamburger. Like, what is this hamburger? It's just a ball of meat, <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> What is it about this game that it never feels like it moves the plot forward, but it's these little character beats that you're like, yes, I love this person. Aisuke yeah. Gahara is over here unveiling everything, but then we're like, yeah, Hamburger, yeah! <laughs> it's really good writing is what it is. Right. Well, you know, Mirai does do a lot because, you know, he is he's in BJ and then he also is in gets placed into one of the sentinels correct like he's actually because bj's whole point was he wants to find his sentinel to operate so he does have some plot heavy stuff happening in his story too not only that i mean he's the person who without him we wouldn't know that 1945 is completely broken down right yeah absolutely his, his stuff in the past was really cool now how do i feel about Kitaro? I really like him because I enjoy how honor-bound he is and how stuck in his time he is. Something about Keitaro being able to just kind of 
look at Natsuno and see that she's basically wearing like the shortest shorts he's ever seen. He's just like, oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. My 1945 brain can't comprehend this. Why isn't she wearing a skirt that's at her ankles? Oh, my God. Like, that's hilarious. Uh, the way that he gets dumped onto Juro and he's just like, I feel just as bad as you do about this. I'm sorry, Natsuno is just that kind of person. I've seen this meme floating around about guys who are afraid to talk up getting the woman that will yell as loud as possible if they didn't get ketchup in their bag. I feel like Keitaro is that guy and Natsuno is the girl that's like, hey, hey, hold on. You forgot the whipped cream in the drink. The fuck? That's my boy. Why are you trying to mess with him? <laughs> He's, he's, like, so honest and honor-bound. Like, he's even, like, embarrassed to ask, like, to go see her in the track room. And then he has to go there and look for her. And then all her track teammates are like, are you her boyfriend? And he's just like, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> Katara is just a sweet boy. I just, everything that he does, I'm just like, you're, I, I don't feel like I need to protect you because you're going to protect yourself. But take care of yourself, you know? I, I hope you do fine. And then, of course, he has the hat that he can keep, like, putting down when he's embarrassed to try and hide his embarrassment. A great animation. I was going to say, an well, and that's an anime trope, too. But, yeah, it's it's really great. I love that. I love the art style of the game that, even though it's a huge anime trope of pulling the hat down to hide your tears and hide your embarrassment, the animation is just so slick that I forgive it. Like, it's not a Sekigahara where every time he hit, he puts his hand up, I'm like, ah, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Keitaro, he gets away with it because he is so not an anime trope that he gets away with it. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't mean that in a negative way. Kitaro, I actually misspoke earlier. He's not my favorite character, but he's top tier for me, top five. And I mean, he's basically BJ, so that alone gets him top tier. Okay. Anything about Kitaro? I was gonna say too. He has that's the scar to summon the Sentinel on his forehead. That's kind of why he pulls the hat down too, and then he pulls it up to do it. Because we didn't really talk about all like they all have the different scars everywhere to summon them. He has it on the forehead. So uh, something about that apparently the scar isn't just a scar apparently let me let me pull it up there we go the scar on mira's forehead is a result of sukasa okino's nanomachine adjustment which restarts the sentinels that stopped working due to dd426 without losing his mind and suffering the effects of dd426 mira manages to endure the pain as the data necessary for starting up the sentinels was completed once Okino realizes this, he installs a feature so that the data will spread to anyone who comes into contact with Mira. So basically, Mira got installed with any virus software that every time he got to someone, he would airdrop it to them so their Sentinel would work. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I can't believe how much is in these fucking data logs. Because <laughs> this man was McAfee every time he walked near somebody. Yeah, spreading hamburger steak and viruses <laughs> antivirus antiviruses yeah, antiviruses yeah uh, okay we, i feel like we got Katara out of the way right sure <laughs> hijiyama hijiyama yakisobi pan man uh, hijiyama How, what is the read on him yeah he's probably my favorite character just slightly ahead of Nathuno. I love him. And I think we've already kind of talked about him a lot, but just the fact that you've got all of this important plot going on and all of these life or death situations, but I had more emotion of going around trying to get him some coins so this man could have his damn yakisoba pan. That is what I cared about. <laughs> that was 13 Sentinels for me, and I love him. <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah, it's it's just so good how he does that because he seems like, and he wants to be the most serious character of the group, but he ends up being like, he's just chasing money, trying to get Yakisobi Pawn. He's starving half the time. He's like <laughs> laying on the floor, starved to death, dead. And then he's also worried about Okino. Like, is he going after a different person? Because I think he confesses to, oh, who was it? He Ogata. confesses to yeah, Ogata at some point. And he like watches it and he's like, I don't care about this, but I do care about this. Why are you acting like this in front of me? And then, of course, Okino plays it off and takes advantage of him. But yeah, he's just such a good character. Yeah, every time he gets jealous over Okino, it's just, uh, it's another great character to be. Like I said, Okino was one of my favorite characters anyways. So just the little interactions and relationship between those two characters, it really does carry the game for me along with Natsuno and BJ. And you just think he's going to be one of the more serious characters, but he's not. Like when you first meet him, like, oh, this is going to be the typical tough serious character but no you're chasing after yakisobi pawn half the time so it's a good job subverting our expectations right hijiyama is so <laughs> hilarious to me because he is what you think of when you think of the model japanese soldier he's like no i will fight for my country yep. and he's also the guy who's like am i gay oh my god i don't really know <laughs> what i'm feeling right now i could use a sandwich right now like he is basically the bi-curious girl at a college, and I love him for it. He's always looking for food, and he doesn't know what he's into. It's fucking hilarious. I love Hijiyama. He is ties. He is above mid-tier. He is, I wouldn't say safely in top tier, but if there were characters that got in front of him, he would still be safe in, say, top. Right, and it's funny because he should be, he can't even take care of himself in the real world. Like, he's so helpless. Like, Okino has to, like, let him into his lab and do everything for him. Like, he follows him to school even. He's like, you can't even do anything yourself. And he should be the most self-sufficient character. <laughs> You just reminded me of, I did want to mention this, but I had forgotten. Uh, whenever Okino is professing his love to Ogata, and Hijiyama comes in and knocks him out, and Okino's like, hey, I was lying to him, we were just going to lure him in to read his memories, but you knocked him out, so thanks for saving me time. You know, we were just going to use him anyways. <laughs> and Hijiyama's like, what? Why? Why would you not tell me this earlier? <laughs> And Okino's like, you didn't need to know. Shut up. Come on. We got this done. Help me carry this body. Yeah, their relationship is just a backbone of the game for me. It's so, it's adorable. Honestly, I loved it. There's so many things I keep trying to keep track of that I keep scrolling through. Uh, there are no other versions of Sekigahara, so who cares? Goto, I mean, we have the 2188 one, but I, that doesn't really matter. Natsuno, we talked about how the 2188 one is Yuki-chan's daughter. I'm okay with that. Keitaro, I mean, the only other character is BJ, so we hit that. Hijiyama, there's only one Hijiyama. Uh, Ogata is the next character. We can skip him. Tomi Kisaragi. How, how do we feel about Tomi? I'm a big fan of Tomi Kisaragi. She just seems like more kind of the jokester type, like especially when she's with uh, Miwako and Fuyasaka. She's always the one like teasing Miwako, and of course we find out later she's got the idol going for her as well in the later time period but i really liked her sections when her and miwako and ogata got pulled into the future like i just thought like exploring with the clones and the robots it, i just i liked her character well not to come off as too much of a debbie downer after that but she is probably mid bottom tier for me 
I didn't mind her, and I think the best bits with her were actually carrying Ogata, which shows you how much I like Ogata. But I think those were the best bits. I also really actually liked the Miyaki and Abba version of her, the idol version. That's actually one of my favorite parts in the game, and one of the only parts I really liked in the combat. It's where she basically all sings to them to keep them right. going throughout the battle, because once she stops, she's out of range or whatever. I thought that moment was very sweet, and actually one of my favorite moments in the game. Okay, now we're going to continue the downslope, because I don't like Tomi, or I don't like Inaba. Inaba, I don't like her because I feel like she is a very flat character. Of course, you know, granted, they don't give her much time. But any time that she talks and she just sounds like this, like she has to sound super ethereal and a little mysterious. I hate this tone of talking very, very much. Like, I couldn't stand that. Tomi, I feel like, reminds me too much of me in a bad way, where I know I take nothing seriously either. So hearing Tomi also take nothing seriously is just reminding me of a part that I like in myself, but whenever I see myself inside someone else, it bothers me. So <laughs> Tomi, not exactly a character I'd want to hang out with. However, I do enjoy her personality to some degree because, like I said, she's very much a Gen Z person. Like, I can see her and it's like, I know people who are a couple years younger than me, and that's them. And I do like that because she knows who she is, and she's very good about speaking the what she thinks. So I don't really have a problem with her. I just feel like I don't like her. It's weird. Everything I said sounded like I was getting positive, but even when I stop and think about it, I don't think I still like her. Yeah, because I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, I agree with all those points, and then I'm really positive on her, but I think, honestly, my favorite thing about her is just her relationship with Ogata. Like, I just think those two are such a good couple, and I really like their back and forth together. Yeah, I think your love for Tomi directly will relate to your love for Ogata, too. I think one of those character misses, you'll probably get misses on both of them, which is how I feel about them. I can see that. You'll never see me eat just straight uh, jelly. You'll never see me eat just straight pep uh, pepperoni. <laughs> You'll never eat me... I can't, it's getting so late. <laughs> You'll never see me eat just peanut butter, but if you mix the two, I will happily eat that up. That is Tomi, and that is Ogata. If you have the two of them together, I'm okay with this, but if you just have one... Eh. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Together, they're they're greater than the sum of their parts. I agree. Yeah, the best moments for Tomi and Ogata was when they were together in their little storyline. We are getting into two heavy hitters for myself. Shu Amiguchi. I love this man. Shu Amiguchi is so fucking effortlessly cool and even though he says he is trying so hard to be cool this man doesn't look like it at all i love his motorcycle i love his style i love his hair the way he talks i love gotta put on a show for yuki-chan <laughs> like i love everything about this man i love how different he is from tetsuya ida i even like tetsuya ida just because he is so different from shu amiguchi that you're like how the hell are these two the same people i oh i i gushed i gushed anyone want to pick up from here 
I would just be gushing with you. She's one of my favorite characters as well. Uh, probably just below the top three tier for me, but he's definitely top five. And funny enough, I, I, we haven't talked a lot about this, but he was actually one of my favorite characters to use in battle. I really enjoyed yes. him for some reason. I don't know why. It wasn't even the voice line or anything like that, but just his abilities and the way he played. I really liked that. I thought he was one of the better characters in terms of the battles to use. But yeah, storyline-wise, he's fantastic. The different versions of him, I'm actually not as fond of, but just base Shu himself, I think is one of the best characters in the game. Uh, you're right, he's really cool. He's just got a, a vibe to him that he doesn't try to be cool, he just is. And the fact that he's always just trying to get Yuki to ride on his motorcycle with him, and you can see her slowly breaking down, and she doesn't want to admit it, but even she's like, fuck, this guy's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's a really cool little back and forth between them, so definitely one of the better characters in the game. Just a lot of fun. It's refreshing to hear you both like him so much, because when no. I played no. this game, I, pl I played it around the same time as a couple of my other friends, and they both did not like him. I was <gasps> the only one who liked no. him. I was like, I really liked him. They're like, oh, we couldn't stand him. I'm like, what? I thought he was pretty cool, but he comes off, because I, I know at the start you kind of think, oh, he's the typical rich, like, playboy type character that because, you know, Jiro wants to go to his house to play because he has all the fancy video games and stuff. But he's really not like that all, at all. He's a really nice guy, which, yeah, I really liked him, too. So, like I said, I'm, it's refreshing to hear you both liked him because I thought I was alone in this. Yeah, I could hear Edward's heart breaking for a second when he thought you didn't like him, so I'm glad you did. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, everything that you said about how he, he seems like the rich playboy, that's what I love. He is the rich playboy. He is, and he's still an actual person. Right, exactly. That's what oh makes him God. so good. <laughs> I love that this kid is the one who has literally everything. And every single time that Juro's, well, I mean, I mean, it was Shiba, but it was Juro. Right. But every time Shiba's like, hey, man, let's go bother him for his fucking video game. She was just like, dude, do you know how rich I am? Like, fuck it. I like you enough. Come on over. You know, like, I love that he totally is the rich playboy, but he also isn't like, oh, fucking poor people trying to use my video games. Like, no, he's like, dude, I'm rich. Let's share the wealth. Come on over. Well, remember, there's that one uh, part in the game, too, where Shiva, well, Shiva and Euro, who's actually Euro, but Euro goes and asks him, and, and he's like, sure, let's go to your house. <laughs> and Euro's like, oh, that ain't gonna work. I've kind of got people there right now. Because I don't think we got into that, but there's a whole bunch of people staying at his house, so that's a whole big ordeal, too. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, yeah, so I don't think that could happen. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck it, okay, you guys just come to my house. <laughs> like, he doesn't even care. I love the idea that Shu was just like, oof, man, what if um, what if Inaba shows up on TV? How am I gonna explain that one? Yeah. And, you know, his typical pose I always see him in, like, in my mind, is the the wink like you know he has the one eye wink like he's always looking like that like he looks just so cool i'm, I'm gonna pull up i'm gonna pull him up on the art book just because <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I'm, I'm looking i'm looking at the winking one right yeah. now like that that's just how i see him i don't have an art book oh. to look at this but <laughs> i'm so sorry just just know that shoe looks so effortlessly cool this man has one hand on the hip his winking Yuki Takamiya is possibly the hardest bitch in this game, and even she's just like, damn, he's cool. Anyone, anyone else feel a little hot right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to date myself a little bit with this reference, but honestly, oh, yeah. uh, Shu to me is like the James Dean of this game. Like, he's just effortless. Absolutely. That, okay, that's not dating yourself. James Dean is is timeless, okay? okay and good. he's going to star in a movie in a couple of years. Uh... Uh... Yeah, no, I'm back. I'm disappointed on, uh, for myself for that one, too. 
Yuki Takamiya. What a wonderful woman. I'm going to take the lead on this one again. God, everything that Yuki does, I'm just like, ah, you don't give a shit about anything. You are trying to hide how much you care, though. Every single time that Natsuno shows up, uh, Yuki just, like, immediately starts breaking characters. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. What's going on with my bitch Natsuno? What is going on with this woman? I need to take care of her. And then when you find out that Natsuno was Yuki's daughter in 2188, then that just reveals that Yuki, even if she doesn't know it, has a maternal instinct over Natsuno. Crazy. Uh, anyone want to take the lead on Yuki? The things I liked about Yuki, like, she has the typical yankee girl type attitude with the way she's dressed which even the characters comment on her which is funny but actually the, the things i liked about her was when she had her little sidekick tomoe with her trying to investigate stuff they both played off so well together and then of course she's so hard with everybody except not to know like you said so but yeah I, I really we didn't really talk about tomoe at all but she's with yuki a lot and she's a great character too tomoe's just complete excitement and misreading of the entire situation is so entertaining because yugi's like dude natsuno could probably be dead in a ditch right now with needles in her arm and eric is just like bro do you love watson i love <laughs> watson all right he's the best character ever you can be sherlock i want to be watson I, oh she's just in a completely different story and it's so good yeah, no, Yuki's fantastic. She's probably top five, if not six for me, like right outside that top five. But again, really great. The stuff with her and Shu is awesome. Her storyline's actually a lot of fun to play out, her trying to do the interviews and trying to get to the bottom of things. And of course, she's like basically protecting the hell out of Natsuno. So she, she wins points just for that because of how much I love Natsuno. Mm -hmm. Now... When it comes to Yuki, I am just so excited whenever she had to do another loop. I feel like a whole bunch of characters, their loops were a little bit too samey, but her loop of having to continuously look for these answers, I felt like was one of the few times that loops didn't grate on me. Like, I was shocked that her gameplay segment was just as fun. Especially because whenever you started the loop again, she would pop in and she's like, oh, Tomoe is here again. Great. Yippee. <laughs> okay. Now, just because we've been talking enough about this with the different timeline segments, are each one of those canon? Yeah, what do you do mean? Like Tomoe? Or... No, no. So you know how Yuki starts in the same segment and then will take a different path. Yajura, whenever he's in the classroom and he takes a different oh, path, yeah, yeah. are mean. all those different segments still canon? Did they happen, or is it that's just for us? Or oh. I mean, I kind of thought they were canon, just based on what I saw, but yeah, I don't know for sure. This, this sounds because... like another question that I don't want to look too much into, because it's going to open up another <laughs> can of worms. But yeah, I, I would agree with Straw Hat. That was kind of my thinking as well. My theory is, I, I told both of you guys that what this was going to amount to was it was going to be basically just saying, well, I guess Universal Control can do that. So <laughs> yeah. I, is it just that at the end of a segment, they would learn something and Universal Control will go, whoa, 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 you weren't supposed to figure that out. And then just reset the clock back to the beginning? Or, like, I feel like that's the like headcanon I can work with. Yeah, it does kind of seem that way, especially because the characters 
do they I think they do kind of remember the choices they make even in the same timeline because depending on what happens they'll make a different choice and I thought at least Juro comments on it a couple times if I remember right yeah they do have specific word bubbles that pop up from previous segments so that's why it makes me think you know that it still is canon but it you have to explain how the hell they go back in time unless they're literally living the exact same day the next day yeah and right. i think you're bang on about that part because there are certain segments when you're trying to go through the story where you can actually just skip over them because they're basically bad ends i don't want to say bad ends but they're basically kind of dead ends like nothing would happen and you mm -hmm. didn't even have to get those dead ends at all you could just get the right path and it it's completed just skips it so that seems kind of like a universal control thing where if you did get that dead end they're like okay we didn't go anywhere reset yeah i think that might be it but i you see, then that opens up another can of worms, because universal control kicks in whenever something is breaking the simulation. So, for example, when Miwako died in 2025, oh, so then the very next segment, she's there. That must have been universal control going, ooh, Miwako dying? Ah, that's, that's gonna break the loop too much. Let's reverse it back and bring her back. So... That's where it is, because I feel like if there was, like, those dead-end days with Juro, I don't feel like those would be canon. I feel like those would be actual moments where the game goes, eh, that's one way I could go, but that's not how it went. Like, I... Okay, you know we're getting too much in the weeds. We want to drop it? Yeah, that's fine. Probably, <laughs> probably for the best. For the sake of our sanity and the audiences. <laughs> if anyone's still here. If they're still listening at this time. God help you if you are, God bless you. <laughs> you must be a really big 13 Sentinels fan if you are. <laughs> I hope so. It, if you are listening to this and you haven't played 13 Sentinels, let me know. I'll send you a chocolate or something. <laughs> <laughs> the last character. The last character to end on a horrific note. Ryoko Shinanami. Yeah, why did you save this one for last? Oh my god. I didn't. I didn't, that's the thing. I was going through the event archive. I just kept hitting R1. Let me go get my pills real quick, hold on. Oh, we, okay, hold on, I agree. Let's go, let's, pill break everyone, pill break. I gotta. Yeah, I need, I, I, need, oh. I need some pills too to talk about uh, Shinobi. Jesus Christ, I need to be sedated if I want to talk about Shinonome. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely one of the least interesting characters, if not the least. And this is where, where my love of Japan, I question with this one, because like I said, they love her the most of anybody, and she's, like, one of my least favorites, so yeah. we have an impact She's there. number one, right? Yeah, she's number one. How is this number one? Is it because she is every single anime trope thrown into a blender? I guess. She's got a bandage, um, and her head hurts. Like, I... <laughs> It's like they threw every single trope into a blender and then specifically had a filter with a label on it that said personality and then poured it through there. <laughs> Yeah, she is by far the most popular. She received 448 first place votes, and Hijiyama was the second place at 389. <sighs> they got it pretty right after that because Natsuno was third. So, yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. I I think she's my least favorite character. I'm gonna call her dead last, bottom tier. I don't get it. You know what? I am ready to do that, too, because at least Iori, I can be like, well, if we're counting every single Iori, we're counting Chihiro, so she gets a huge bump. 
Tomi, you know, I once I compare Tomi to Shinonome, it's like Shinonome is the most boring character that you play as. She probably has the most she probably has a good amount of story moving around her, but she doesn't remember shit, so it's not like she yeah. changes as a person. And then not only that, she's the one who fucked up everything. And she's simping hard after Ida the whole time, so uh, and then not only that, her simping is what destroyed the world because she couldn't control yeah. her fucking feelings. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> also, special shout out: they or Japan ranked Yakisobi Pawn as a character. They put him thirtieth, but at least they, they counted as a character. I yeah, guess Yakisoba Pan should be ahead of Shinomi. It should be. Hold on, I have an insult. Damn it! Oh, I feel like you might have undercut it. I was going to say if Shinonome counts as a character, then so does Yakisoba Pan. <laughs> they have them on the list. Uh, I, I agree. I... Too low. Let me see. Hold on. Let me look at her description because even though I do not mind taking her down whatsoever, I want to see if there's anything redeeming about her. Obviously, not her twenty-one eighty-eight one because she's the one who destroyed everything. Um, let's see. As her feelings towards that field, regular takes medication. Oh, by the way, how do we feel about the medication thing in game? I got tired of it. Kept flashing the screen, or just the storyline in general. I mean, the use of it. I guess both in gameplay and story. Well, I hated them both, so (laughs) (laughs) there we go. With the gameplay for me, I was always confused if I should be taking it or shouldn't because I'm like, am I going to mess up this arc if I keep taking it or if I don't take it? So yeah, I wasn't. Was I the only person that like, you know how you could click the fast forward button? Like when she was like really certain to go off her rockers and she needed the medicine, I would just like hit the fast forward button and just let her die. I did it a couple times. I don't know. Maybe I'm a horrible person, but yeah. I don't even know if I knew there was a fast forward button. (laughs) Wait, do you mean like a fast forward button or let the dialogue roll button? Well, no, like you just when you're walking about, you could push that. I forget which button it was now, but you could push the button that speeds up time. What? I, I don't think I don't okay, think I knew yeah, that no, either. I, I, now I'm questioning myself if this happened or if it's a crazy dream. But no, like you could there was a button you could push like one of the triggers, I think, and it would literally just kind of speed up time. It's, I think it was used to speed up dialogue, but it would also work in the game as well itself. So like you could just kind of stand in one particular spot and like just speed up time. And because of her nature, if you didn't take the pills within a certain time, she'd just basically keel over and die. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I did that. <laughs> I found out, like, maybe by the time every character is over 60%, that you could hit square to look at the timeline. Oh, really? That was... Okay. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while, too. I don't think it was that long, but it was... I'm like, oh, you can do this? Oops. <laughs> it pissed me off because I kept jumping back and going, ah, shit, what was the timeline? What do I do? What 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 keyword do I have to use? And then once I accidentally yeah. hit square, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Uh, Shinonome is a vacuum charisma. There's nothing here outside of her being the one that accidentally infected everyone with 426. So she was hunting herself the entire time, the fucking idiot. Yeah, and she has such a hate for Sekigohara, too. Like, he's that's the one person, like, he's tries to be, like, really nice to, and she just, like, hates him. I mean, they, they were basically siblings growing up. They were basically mm-hmm. siblings growing up, and She's just hunting him down. He's just like, can you please not? Yeah, her hatred for Sekihara actually ranks him higher in my books, I think. I might have to move him up the tier list a little. <laughs> enemy of my enemy? Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. I feel like we got pretty much all of this covered. Is there 
Is there anything that we want to touch on for this game? I think I'm good. We we covered a lot. Yeah, covered more than All I right, thought we were uh, going to. <laughs> All right, you know what? Because this wasn't planned to be a special episode until like about halfway through, fuck it, it's going to be a hard cut.